My guest today is Kyle Matthews. Kyle is the founder and CEO of Gatsby, one of the most popular frameworks around for creating websites with React. After authoring Gatsby as an open source project in 2015, he later started a company of the same name to take it even further. He's fascinated by technology, open source, and making the web better. Kyle, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I have been following your work for, uh, you know, quite some time. I've been seeing the great things that have been going on in the Gatsby world. And uh, and we did some interview stuff a couple of years back, which was a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to chat to you today about startups more in general. And one thing that mm -hmm. kind of uh, piqued my curiosity was a tweet that you had recently where mm -hmm. I guess you, you had done, a it sounded like you had done a, a talk at, a, at your college, perhaps. Um, mm -hmm. And you... You gave the advice, or you you mentioned in the tweet that um, you sort of were giving the advice or wanted to give the advice that maybe startups aren't a great idea for for everybody. Maybe it's not everyone that should go out and start a startup. So I was hoping to chat with you um, on that. Maybe give me some of the background uh, around that sentiment. Why is it the case? Do you think that maybe not everyone should be looking to do a startup? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the, the scenario was like. You know, my there, there was a club at my college and uh, sort of technology club. It's part of the major I did, and so they invited me. Like, hey, you you know, you created Gatsby. Like, come talk about it. Gatsby's cool. Uh, I got I guess the the person inviting me has been using it uh, recently. So that was like fun, and uh, you know, kind of kind of a weird trip. Like, oh, college. I remember that kind of. That was fun. Uh, and, and then like, wow, y'all look younger than you used to. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. <laughs> uh, it's been just long enough that all, all these like weird. Like I'm getting old feelings are, are coming into coming into right. play, um, and uh, anyways, they they you know they they had some questions about Gatsby, but you know a lot of, a lot of people are just like in, in the Q and A were just starting to ask about like startups and they're like how did you come up with the idea you know and you know on mm -hmm. and on, uh, and it was just kind of funny because like I was like, you know I've had this thought a lot, but it just afterwards it's like I don't know it's like talking about startups is just weird because there's such there's like this like really strong like glamour field you know mm -hmm. around doing the startup that is not like the lived reality of doing a startup is not actually uh sort of how it's perceived a lot of the time you know from sure, the outside yeah. um and so yeah, it's just it's just I, I anyway so I, I i always kind of have this like feeling when people are asking about startups sort of like downplay it a lot and mm -hmm. and sort of discourage people more because uh you know, startups are absolutely the right, like doing a startup, like founding a startup, uh, absolutely the right decision for some people. But for a lot of people that, you know, if they get into it, it would be actually a very difficult, dispiriting, you know, unpleasant experience for them. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that was just like an interesting reaction, just like having all these people like, oh, like, you know, fascinated by the idea of startups and like me sort of cringing a little bit like, ah, I don't know, like, like mm, you're probably better off just like, do, getting a nice job and and you know going home and and, and having fun with mm -hmm. your friends and family and you know doing side projects and stuff like that um because gotcha. yeah because like you know the, the actual lived reality of a startup is is it's hard like it's mm -hmm. it's like it just emotionally is like super intense um you know intellectually it's like very challenging uh there, there's often like i mean it depends of course uh but there's often like very difficult challenges that you have to like figure out immediately and uh, or, or the whole thing goes kaboot um there's uh just tons of uncertainty you know that's sort of the emotional stuff it's like you're 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 
it takes a lot of courage to do anything in a startup because there's a lot of pressure to make the right decision. You just don't mm -hmm. know enough, you know, to, 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 to figure that out. And I don't know, there's just like a whole bunch of things that, uh, uh, unless you're sort of like weirdly tuned to enjoy that, <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, you're going to have a, you're, you're going to have an unpleasant time and there's gotcha, really no yeah. point. That makes a lot of sense. I, I wonder in your experience, um, do, are those things that you had in mind going into founding Gatsby as a company? I mean, you're working on the open source project, uh, decided to build a company around it. Did you have those things in mind when you entered this venture or are these things that it sort of came up, they, they've come apparent to you, become apparent to you over the course of time? Yeah, I, I, I've been started pretty much my whole career. Like I started my first startup in college. Um, you know, I moved out to to SF and, and, and joined an early stage startup there. Uh, did another startup before Gatsby. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've been very familiar with, I mean, I knew I liked startups and enjoyed that yeah. kind of space uh, before going into Gatsby for sure. Gotcha. Um, okay. So no no new no new discoveries per se, just, just kind of right. more of the same. Yeah, got it. Okay. So what are so, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people who listen to this podcast, they are sort of the indie hacker types, um, uh -huh. uh, they're people that want to do stuff business wise, they want to, you know, create products and, and release products. Um, mm -hmm. They are people that might want to do startups, or maybe they're doing startups or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. For those people who have it in mind in the future, they would like to maybe do a startup uh, mm -hmm. around whatever. What would you say is the best way to like assess whether or not it would be a good fit for you? I, I mean, like it's possible that you've got these lofty goals of like, yeah, I'm going to do a startup and, you know, maybe it'll be a little tough, but it'll be awesome eventually. Um, and then, of course, reality hits when you, you settle into the thing. Um, yeah. Anything, any advice you'd give for people that are trying to make that assessment now? Yeah. Um, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's just knowing yourself and 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 learning about uh, you know what what kind of makes you tick. Because to me, you know, I, I think life should be lived to the fullest. And and what is the answer to you know living your life to the fullest? It just it depends on who you are. And so the first question is like, what should I do with my life? Is like, well, what what do I enjoy? What what matters to me? Um, uh, you know, it's 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 and and the answer is very different for every you know every person. There's there's no one right answer and. You know, you shouldn't make decisions based on like, you know, that, that's kind of like I was talking about the glamour field. Like people are like, ooh, mm -hmm. like that doing a startup looks glamorous, but yeah. it's not actually what it is. So it's like you have to understand what makes you tick and you have to understand where to put yourself so that, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're going to be enjoying your life. Um, and so I would say like the type of person that enjoys a startup. I mean, there's a few, there's a few types, but I, I think a lot of it boils down to, uh, you know, sort of a desire for adventure, for mm -hmm. intense experience, for uh, just life being interesting um, mm -hmm. and, and prioritizing that over like comfort and uh, security. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know, I, when, I, when I was a kid, like I read a lot of like adventure, you know, kind of like kid adventure novels mm -hmm. and I loved them, you know, I just like devoured them and read them over and over again. And, you know, all these stories about like, trudging through jungles and, you know, exploring outer space and inventing rockets and right. or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Tom Swift. I don't know if, if anyone sure. out there has heard that. I, I love those books. Um, anyway, so, you know, yeah. So the idea of adventure and, and, and just inventing things and doing things and uh, it's really fun. And I think another good clue for me was 
uh, I've had one normal job ish and it was mm -hmm. like, it was even at an early stage startup and I still found it kind of boring. Like okay. I was just like, go in, you know, fix an issue or two, write <laughs> a new, you know, write a new component, whatever. I don't know. It was just like, man, like this is like boring and predictable. <laughs> and I, 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 you know, like it was a great job I mean, it was a super good company. Uh, you know, the founders are awesome, really cool product. You know, everything was like could have should have been perfect maybe but i was still just kind of dissatisfied with the whole thing um i just you know just wanted more uh mm -hmm. and yeah and so i mean if, if you're comfortable if that's what you want and you're comfortable with the risk associated you know with the, like your soul might be crushed by doing a startup mm -hmm. like it really can like it, it can it can impact you in a way that like nothing else can um mm -hmm. And you know, financially, it's it's a really dumb decision most of the time to do a startup. Mm -hmm. Like you just, even if you succeed, you know, you're gonna like break even. Maybe um, there's a slim chance you get rich or something, but like it's it's pretty slim. Um, they're extremely smart people, very talented, who don't go anywhere with a startup because there, there's a lot of things outside of your control. I mean, there is like very high inherent you know uncertainty in doing something mm -hmm. because nobody knows enough to predict the future. And nobody is talented enough to to kind of outrun some sort of like big wave of something. I mean, there, there's just all these things like outside of your control, and that you just impossible to know and, and predict. So it's like, you know, there is no way of ensuring success in a startup. Yeah. You just kind of get lucky. I mean, you got to be like talented enough and hardworking enough, etc. But a lot of it is really just luck that you know you just sort of happen to be in the right place at the right time, and, and yeah. a number of things go your way. So, anyways, but but. What you can guarantee from a startup is it is going to be intense. It is going to be an adventure. It is going to be interesting. Um, it might crush you. You might like come out of it like poor, uh, and, and a lot of other things. But as long as you like go in like knowing those things and being okay with sort of the risk and uncertainty, and and and, and not really setting your heart on being rich or something, which is a terrible motivation to do a startup, uh, then it's like a perfect choice. But like, but like ha having all these caveats, it's like, I'm like, actually the group of people that it is actually a good fit, it's kind of like shrinks, shrinks down, down to, yeah. to, to just like a hundredth of a percent or something at that point. Gotcha. So, so yeah. one thing that strikes me here is that you, uh, you know, the caveats, you, you list them well, and you seem, even though they're, they're kind of daunting, you, you seem pretty okay with it. Like you seem, you seem to. Um, <clears throat> to know that there's this risk, risk associated, that it may go mm -hmm. nowhere, that that things might not go the way that would be good on paper or or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, wh what I suppose motivates you to keep keep going, keep trudging through, especially with these. You, you mentioned there's like pressure uh, mm -hmm. constantly, and I, that's something I'd like to dig into a bit more. There, there's lots of pressure all the time. Like what what is it that sort of uh, makes you want to keep doing it? I suppose. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting, you know. It's like uh, I don't know. Like every day is different. Every 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 day, there's like something new, and and uh, it's like a you know, it's it's a personal challenge. Like, can can I figure this out? Like, can I can I understand my emotions? Can I understand this problem? Can I can I learn how to to you know collaborate well with this person? Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that uh, are, you know, interesting. Like it's like, it's like, you know, sort of the, the adventure 
motif. It's like you're 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 wandering mm -hmm. through the jungle and you're like, oh, there's like a beautiful mountain over there. Let's let's go climb it and see what's on top of it. And sure. it's just it's just it's like it's like what's there? Like what's what's you know what what are we capable? Of? Like what's what's out there? Um, yep. Discovering new things. Um, sort of the thrill of discovery, the thrill of like, oh, this is going to work out. But the, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's just to me, like interestingness, just like the varied experiences yeah. is more important than avoiding negative things. Um, right. If that makes sense. So it's like pressure, disappointments. Uh, you know, those are all, you, you, you know, it's like, yep. We're often trained. I mean, they are unpleasant. So it's like we're like trained to avoid unpleasant things. But it, I mean, you can do sort of a little mind trick where it's like, you know, unpleasant is it's it's like it doesn't kill you. Like uh, yeah. my wife, like my wife did a DBT uh, this uh, type of therapy thing, and one it, it has a lot of super useful stuff. But one of the things that they they, they really drill on is that emotional pain is not it's not actually, you, sh you shouldn't be like afraid of it. It's not like real, yeah. you know, in the same way that like physical pain is. Um, and cause a lot of people get, you know, petrified by like relationship problems or other True. stuff. And, and, and so they just won't do things because it, it, it feels painful inside. But uh, the point they make is like, if it's not actually threatening your life, like, why do you, why do you care? You know, yeah. um, it's not, it's not the same degree of problem anywhere close. And so mm -hmm. being afraid of like emotional disappointment is, is just doesn't make as much sense as being afraid of physical problems of all sorts. Yep. And so, yeah, and I, and I think that's like, it's like, it takes a bit of training and practice, but it really is true. It's like, you, you, you know, you, you can get over emotional problems way faster than physical problems. You know, if you, <laughs> right. if you break your leg, it's going to be months of healing. But uh, with practice, if you, if you break your soul, you can like, you know, get over it in a week or two which is not too bad right yeah yeah uh, it, one thing that kind of conjures up for me is that maybe there's this sense that like going through the startup process maybe inherently you you need to do this maybe it just happens as a byproduct but you you kind of develop some kind of mental toughness as you go right mm -hmm. you, you start mm -hmm. to be able to um maybe handle emotional situations that are tough in, in mm -hmm. ways that maybe you're, you're not as responsive to them as you would be outside of the startup context mm -hmm. um and, and it makes me wonder about like the various kinds of emotional pressures that you might see in a startup. And, and maybe at least in your experience, like wh where do you feel that the most? Does it come from maybe like investors kind of, you know, wanting wanting you to grow at a certain rate and and, and wanting to, to meet their expectations? Does it come from staff and, the, you know, the needs that they have? Is there any kind of particular direction that it comes from the most? Uh, it depends. Like... I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, it depends. Uh, pressure, I mean, pressure is like, it's all, you know, pressure is, it's like, you only feel pressure if you are getting more force that you don't expect. So like, mm. you know, so for me, I knew the whole, I mean, so, some, some people go take investment and then you know, there's a sort of this, this scenario that happens sometimes with startups, like people take investment and then uh, are, are surprised when investors then pressure them to like make decisions to to grow quickly. But yeah. that's just like a mismatch expectation because like that's the only reason you take money is if you sure. expect to grow fast. So yeah, I mean, our investors are like grow fast, but I mean, we, we knew that going in, um, it was yeah. it was the bargain, it was the expectation. Um, 
So, I mean, that I don't feel pressure per se from that. That's just that's just part of the 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 situation. Um, I anyways, I, I'd say for me, it's mostly internal. I mean, I just have very high expectations for myself and for you know our products and our and, and the company and so on. Um, so the hardest, by far, the hardest experiences is like when I don't match those expectations or the company doesn't match those expectations. Uh, uh, I can deal with a lot of other stuff, but yeah, it's like like coming up short on what I, you know, expect to be able to do is, is definitely the hardest. And uh, that's kind of like another, it's like, it's not, this, this is, this is a, uh, uh, yeah, it's like starts are interesting way to like learn about yourself in, in, mm. in a funny way, because yep. Uh, whatever you think you're capable of, like doing a startup will will expose you to things that you are not capable of. <laughs> mm, um, okay. And so they really teach you your limitations. Um, do, you have, do, you have any, uh, do you have any examples of that where maybe you ran into something like that, where you came up against something that you know what you were incapable of, as you put it, or or maybe that you just weren't well matched for within that context? Uh, one recurring theme is just like I management like i've never been a manager before um yep. i was either an ic or you know founding stuff which is uh, a very different context than you know i knew managers did important stuff but like i didn't realize how like how difficult it was and yeah. and um you know which sounds naive now but uh it was naive. but but yeah it's like going into like okay you're actually managing people and then uh flubbing that up pretty consistently. Um, mm. That that was, uh, yeah, that, that was that was uh, difficult to take. Um, gotcha. I had an experience like that myself, actually. It was in different context. Like this was actually before I got into tech and mm -hmm. I was in, I was doing like um, GIS mapping stuff and I, I mm. became the, ma the manager of a team of six in a government setting and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I found out very quickly I was not well matched for it. I, I like did really mm -hmm. well in the interview, which is why I got the job. But it was, <laughs> yeah. it was not not a good fit for me. I, I was much better suited to, to be an IC or, or um, at least founding stuff myself, doing doing projects, you know, with, with yeah. the expectation that I would be this like super um skilled man manager of people um so so i hear you there um you know that yeah. that's an i think that's a, that's a common one i think right with with programmers mm -hmm. especially with with people yeah. coming from technical fields you're like, like i could read a book yeah. and then you're like no mm -hmm. actually this takes years of practice um right. to get good at and and i i think it's just sort of the general idea it's like it's like the general problem is like the you know the startup needs something from you mm -hmm. and you know, when you can deliver it, that's awesome because you feel great. You're like, yeah, I'm like, like the hero of the hour. I'm like making this better. But, but, like a startup will often ask things of you that you can't uh, actually deliver on. Mm -hmm. um, and and as a founder, that's like, then, uh, yeah, it's just hard because like startups are funny too because you know it, it starts as like just you and your you know your co-founders and you just start to have this like kind of outsized presence. Like I am like 25% of this company or I'm like 50% of this company. And the the sort of the emotional arc is, you know, more and more things are, are kind of removed from your sphere of influence. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you give them away, whatever. But the point though is like, it's like over time, you just become like, relatively speaking, smaller and smaller. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and more and more, 
things that the company needs, like you can't do. And so mm -hmm. making that shift from uh, I'm doing most of the important things that are happening to I'm trying to convince somebody with the right skills to join, even though I don't really know much about it and can't really explain it to them. But I'm like, hey, it'll be fun. And I can't, you know, I can't entirely manage you because I don't entirely understand this, but this is like really complex and hard and, you know, the company needs it and please join and, and, and do it. Right. Um, it's just like, a, yeah, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier, it's like, you, you know, teaches your limits. It's like you, you, it's like for the company to succeed, it needs all this like sophisticated, you know, skill sets um, sure. and uh, that you don't have and, and you're not going to be able to learn them fast enough um, to be able to, uh, you know, do it. And, and you just kind of have to give them away, um, yep. you know, bit by bit. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious. So, you know, uh, Gatsby, it takes, I, I suppose, somewhat of a unique, well, I guess it, all, all told it would be a unique approach to a, being a startup because it started mm -hmm. as an open source uh, project. I mean, there's many companies that do this. They'll, they'll start mm -hmm. an open source or, or be mainly kind of open source, but have a product behind it, paid product yeah. behind it. What's the, I've always wondered this, like what are the, some of the challenges that come with that? I suppose challenges and maybe opportunities with that. Is it sort of easier to do a startup if you start with like an open source thing that people can contribute to and get excited about with, you know, without paying for anything upfront? Uh -huh. Or is it, is it harder because like you have different expectations? Maybe, maybe people when they are then presented with something they can buy, maybe they, they don't want to buy it because they expect it to be an open source free thing. You know, you know what I mean? Is, mm -hmm. is there anything that's challenging or you know the or is there a good opportunity i suppose as well to be an open source kind of startup yeah yeah i mean all challenge all startups have their different challenges and and advantages uh open source is no different i mean uh yeah there is definitely like it's like people like free things <laughs> so like, open source you know gets a lot of uh attention just because it's, it's freely available it's free to hack on um and, and I mean, that's what makes open source so wonderful. It's like, it is sort of this like shared, wonderful resource that we're all contributing to and making better, more valuable. It's sort of like, it's sort of like this like gold mine that has infinite gold and everyone can just bring more gold to it. And it's just like, it's right. like bigger and bigger pile of gold. It's, it's a very, it's an extremely weird thing. If you know, mm -hmm. if you kind of like zoom out, sort of like see the historical context, like open source is like a magical, amazing, beautiful thing. Um, and yeah, so, you know, so yeah, so it's like, it's like, it's like, so open source, like being tied to open source, being part of like being built up open source, you know, it gives, it gives, uh, yeah, there's a lot of nice things about it. Um, but yeah, the, the difficulty is definitely, uh, you know, there is sort of this impedance between, well, it's like, why is some things, you know, free and then why are some things mm -hmm. paid? Um, and that can be a really difficult, you know, line to 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 walk um you know we've seen lots of that with with uh over the past few years especially uh you know like elastic like most recently like elastic and like aws because uh, like aws makes more money from elastic even though they contribute extremely little um to the project and and that's like maybe that's fine what well, i mean what, who, i mean does it matter who knows whatever but i mean open source again is sort of a magical thing like it does it's not actually hurting elastic like elastic ipo like they're making yeah. a few hundred million you know dollars a year um but uh you know they're they're anyway, they're, they're just like it's just difficult um yeah. and 
yeah so so it, it's yeah so it, it's it, it's it's definitely leads to uh yeah they're just like difficult conversations it's hard it's hard to figure exactly where to draw the line um but uh but yeah as a commercial open source company it's like you know we made the decision like we have to have a business model around this we have to yeah. be able to continue to like fund the development of gatsby um and uh and uh yeah so we, we we try to like draw the line in a way that makes the most sense like for gatsby it's sort of the decision we made is you know, things that are cloud are proprietary. Things that are running in your own machine is open source, and yeah. and that that feels like a pretty fair thing because like, you know, someone building a Gatsby site is not also interested in running the Kubernetes cluster. That's typically a very different type of job. If you're an agency or freelancing, um, you just want to build your site, hand it off to some infrastructure, and move on to the next site. Yep. That's kind of your thing. And um, so that's sort of the division of labor is like, will, you know, anything you're running on your laptops open source. And then once it kind of rolls over into sort of the, the building deploying type stuff, we're going to do a kick-ass job at that, provide it for everyone for a fair price, um, but it's going to be proprietary. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, 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 that like, you know, there, there's definitely people who are like, well, anything touched to open source should be, you know, open source. And, and they're never going to be happy with that sort of compromise. But for us, it feels like, a, a, a good balance. It's like you, you yeah. can hack on the things that you want to hack on. Like it is all free open source. You can do whatever you want to to on your machine, but then uh, in order for it to run super well on Gatsby Cloud, you know, then you can hand it off to us and, and kind of live within the constraints that we put on it. Right, yeah. I, I wonder about, so what do you think about this? Would, would Gatsby be have been able to to get off the ground uh, if it went direct to paid? Like if there was if, mm -hmm. if it wasn't an open source product to begin with. And I, I you know you see things like this with uh, with Remix, right? So mm -hmm. um, Ryan and Michael making making a Remix. Uh, it's it's you pay for it before you can even see the code. Essentially, as far right. as I know, I'm not I'm not super familiar with it, but I think that's how it works. Is that uh, is that a viable play? Do you think, or or do you kind of need to start with the open source angle? Um, it is a viable play. It's just a different play. Uh, I mm -hmm. would say, uh, like, my guess is that they'll do very well as a small company. Um, but not being open source does shrink down the 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 potential market a lot. Um, yeah. Where open source is like just like you know it's everywhere. Like Gatsby is like it's just mind boggling to even think about how many sites there are, you know, where people are running it. Like we, 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 you know, we have some like, like, uh, you know, anonymous telemetry. And so we can see in kind of like a broad strokes, you know, where it is. And it's like, so we have like internal like map of the world and it's just like lit up the whole thing. You know, the whole world is lit up with Gatsby. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, that only happens because of open source, because it's free, because anybody can touch it without, you know, asking us for permission or something. And, and run it on their own servers, you know, do whatever they want. Um, and so, yeah, so once you put up a paywall up front, like it just sort of like cuts out most of that, you know, you're limited to the very small subset of people who are willing to, you know, take that risk, who have the financial ability to take that risk and are, are you know, or want to pay, anyways. Um, so yeah, so it makes sense for, in my mind, it makes sense for a small group, for a, a smaller company, um, for a VC back company where we want to be very large, you know, and like be running a significant percentage of the web on Gatsby, you you need the the broad reach uh, yeah. uh, of open source, I'd say. Um, but I don't know. Uh, 
yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, things are changing though, because it's like proprietary. Like cloud changes things in a lot of ways. Like open source is is changing dramatically because of the cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how so? What are the changes? Um, just like a lot of things that, I mean, the idea of open source is that you're pulling together. There's two things basically. It's like you're pulling together, you know, work with other people, uh, so that you know if if. 20 companies all need the same thing. They can like work together on it uh, loosely and, and build it together. So it's like you get the same thing for a lot cheaper. Um, that's sort of the economic rationale behind open source. Plus there's there's the freedom of friction of like, if you see a bug, you just fix it and move on. Yeah. Versus if it's a proprietary thing, then you can't. So it's like It's like, well, you can submit issue and then maybe <laughs> six months later, somebody respond and then like, 12 months later, PM will decide to prioritize it. And then <laughs> in the meantime, like you're all just like dead or something. Um, right. So that, 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 that was like a lot of the motivation, like for engineers, like I can like hack this together with my buddies at these, you know, internally in these other companies, make something better than, than some non you know, unresponsive proprietary company can do. Right. Uh, and that's right. And like they, you know, open source has like created a lot of stuff like libraries and infrastructure pieces that uh, are better and have taken over the industry. Um, but cloud changes it because cloud is sort of inherently centralizing. It's like, it's like, you know, you just don't run as many things. Like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, you're setting up servers and you're running a whole bunch of stuff and you're maintaining them and all those things. And so, but now development has moved from like all this like maintenance stuff to, you know, you're just like plugging together a few things. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so open source in this world, it's like, it's like, do you care about fixing bugs in S3? It's like, well, no, because like S3 doesn't have bugs because it has millions and millions of users and like hundreds of engineers, and it is like a force of nature because like it is so good, and it's so good because of that centralization. It's because AWS can spend millions of dollars a year developing. So like the budgets, the R and D budgets, and, and the and, and whatever on S3 are dramatically higher than stuff in the past. They just, they, they, they have way more users, way more customers, way more usage, way more people working on it. Uh, uh, and it's just like many, many times better than stuff was in the past. And so open source was like, hey, like we can have something better for cheaper um, because we can hack on it. But with cloud, it's like, well, actually the cloud pieces are super good. So does you, do you care if they're open source as much? You're like, well, I don't know, no, it just works. It's like, like, it's like, it's like I just write files to it. I don't. I don't want to have my open source, you know, S3. Like, why would I do that? You know, that that yeah. would be um, pain. And so it's just sort of it's just yeah. So uh, anyway, I guess where I'm going and all that is that it's like it's like so open source is changing, but then also like what makes sense to proprietary? Because you know we're, the fact that we're even asking like should should um, Remix be proprietary or or open source. Uh, that's just like a sign of the times because like 15 years ago, say, of course it would be proprietary. I mean, like, why, why would you, yeah. it's like, it'd be kind of like, why should this be open source? Sure. But the pendulum has swung so far the other way towards open source that uh, there's now, but yeah, there, there's, it's like things have like the pendulum swung ways, but then also like the environment has changed a lot. Uh, and, you know, maybe like proprietary software makes a lot more sense than it did. Yep. Um, Cause like, 
because uh, yeah, with Remix, it's like they're they're cloud native. You know, everything is assumed that you're going to be deploying it to these things, and so like their piece of the puzzle is like relatively small, mm -hmm. and they can just make it really really good, um, so that you know if something's good enough, you don't you know if something's good enough and like cheap enough, like you don't care about hacking on it per se. You know, you just yeah. need a nice API uh, to do what you need to done. You you just want the freedom to do you know do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And and the hackability or 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 the whatever uh, aspect or the price aspect doesn't matter if the price is fine and you trust that it's going to stay fine, and that it's hackable in the ways that you care about it being hackable, and mm -hmm. and that's the same thing. You know, with cloud again, it's like you don't care about hacking S3's code because it's it has a nice API and is like super robust. And uh, you know, with Remix, I'm sure the customers of Remix they don't care about modifying the source code of Remix or something. Because mm -hmm. you know it does what they need to do, and it's good enough, and the price is reasonable, so um, on they go. Because uh, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, like, you know, we're just trying to do stuff. You know, everyone's like, I, I got, I'm trying to do something, and um, you know, open source is a means to the end, um, yep. but also buying software is a means to the end as well. And and uh, anyway, so yeah, so I, I'm very, I'm very curious just how cloud. Uh, you know, watching just how cloud is impacting all these discussions, the dynamics, and I think it's yeah. going to continue. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's played out uh, all the way. Uh, yeah, okay. I think there's a lot more changes still coming. It's going to be interesting to see for sure. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love to talk about um, the topic of funding. So looking mm -hmm. at the crunch base for Gatsby, it looks like 46.8 million total funding. Mm -hmm. um, Sounds about know, right. Uh, Series Series B, it says yeah, Series B. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I got, I, I'm curious about a couple of things. One would be, and this might might uh, benefit those who are in the position where they've got startup, you know, ideas. They maybe built something, uh, proofed it out, and they want to go seek fundraising. Um, mm -hmm. So that might be a small subset of the listener, listeners. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious about the topic of, of fundraising initially, but uh, but also like. Um, you know, with, with that with that amount amount of funding that that you've got at Gatsby, like, what's the how is that deployed, and like, what's the what's the uh, you know the plan for it essentially, and I suppose what's after. Um, but maybe we can start with uh, with fundraising in general. Like, what's the do you have any sort of recommendations for how to think about fundraising or how to get started, like looking for investors if you're wanting to do a startup? Yeah, uh, I mean, in general, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, in general, it's like the right way to think about investors is not that you're convincing them to give you money because like they want to give you money. That's their whole job is to give away money. They're just like, well, not right. give away, of course. They're they're investing it. They're like buying part of your company uh, for part of future returns. But their whole job is to like, I like it's not it's not their job. They have to give. They have to like invest the money. Like they don't have an option to invest the money. Your only job is to to convince them that you're the right ones to to mm -hmm. invest in, and so so like finding investors and all that like takes care of itself if you're worth investing in. You know, if mm -hmm. if, if if there's like a clear, you know, if there's traction, there's clear pathway towards being a viable business. Because uh, like, you know, when when Gatsby kind of hit like 2017, you know, is when uh, I released V1 of Gatsby and it started like taking off in a much bigger way. Like investors just come out of the woodwork, you know, they're, they're, they're wow. watching all the signals. If they, if they see you getting traction, they'll, they'll call you. You don't have to call them. 
Um, and so uh, I didn't know anything about, I never fundraised before. I just like uh, bootstrap previous stuff. Uh, so like, I didn't know anything, but the learning curve is like not that difficult. Hmm. Uh, really, it's like, it's, it's actually kind of a absurd process. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so simple and casual really at the end of the day. Cause you just like, okay. you, you just like chat with like, you chat with an investor, they bring in like a, another investor for the company, you chat again. It's not very formal. Like you can do some slides, but a lot of it's just sort of like they'll ask questions and you answer them and you have a conversation. And then if they like it, then they like you present to the whole board of, you know, they have like Monday partner meetings and you'll present to all the, the, the partners and then, you know, you'll get an offer or not get an offer after that. Uh, mm -hmm. And it literally can take like a week. Like it's not, it can be extremely fast. Uh, so the hard part is all about actually getting traction. It's like you have to create something that yeah. people care about. Uh, and, and you have to, um, you know, be able to, I mean, you don't have, you don't have to like have a business to raise money, of course, like seed, seed, like seed round, you know, even series A round is all around like getting you to the point that you have a viable business. Um, but you have to be able to like articulate like how you're going to like draw the, you know, draw the dots from here to where you're an actual business and people are paying you. Yep. And those are really the only two things you need is like, you need to like be able to demonstrate that you've created something that's valuable and then be able to draw, you know, the dotted line from here we are right now. And this is where we're going to be a hundred million dollar, you know, business type thing. Right. And you do those two what? things and then, and then they're like, sweet, here's, here's money. Um, <laughs> it's simple. As what? Yeah. What's the, okay. So for, for Gatsby in particular, um, you know, and maybe, maybe the open source aspect, uh, colors it in a certain way, but, uh, how do you, how did you draw the, draw the dotted line between, you know, the value provided and, you know, you should give us money kind of thing. Like what, what would something, something like that look like when you were doing your fundraising? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, investors, I mean, investors are watching. So different investors have different specialties basically they 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 you know for for whatever reason interest experience uh, previous companies you know kind of pre-investing experience or like experience they've gained from investing in similar types of companies they'll just like know parts of the market like types of companies types of products types of technology um and so those people they're they're i mean their whole job is just to like watch what's going on and then try to detect like oh something in the world is changing uh i'm gonna like invest in this sort of change because because the opportunities for like if, if there's a if there's a company that has a product and people like it like there's no opportunity to do a startup there it's like opportunities only come where something's changing because mm -hmm. that's 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 because it's novel there's new there's not already a good company there <laughs> once a good company is in a space like it's done like like they're just gonna they're just gonna be there and everyone else is gonna buy from them because it's a good company offering a good product. So the trick is the trick is for both startups and for investing is like, where is something going to change? It's mm -hmm. like, it's like something new is gonna emerge or something about the world is gonna make the old thing not make sense anymore. So a new thing can replace it. Those are basically your only two options. And so investors are like watching for things changing and new opportunities. And then they'll look for companies um, in that space and, and that's what I was saying. It's like, if you, if you kind of like fit into that, they'll just start calling you. Cause they're like, look, yeah. like what you're doing is awesome. Uh, this, I, you know, I believe the same things you are about what's happening in this world. Uh, you yeah, know, maybe we can do business together. 
you know, type right. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, it's a lot of it just, you know, in the right place, right time, the right idea, and, and you, you, you make some noise, you get people using it, uh, get people excited about it, uh, and then, um, yeah, then, then uh, getting investment takes care of itself. Um, Makes sense, yeah. At that point. Okay. So what? So with with the investment that you've gotten now, I mean, I assume you do the typical things that you do at a startup with it. You hire people. That's probably one of the biggest uh, yeah. biggest expenses and biggest activities that you you would do with your funding. Um, do you have Do you have any like special ways that you're thinking about that though? I wonder, or or maybe there's other things you're you're also using the money for. But um, anything anything in particular in your scenario at at Gatsby that is like uh, we need money to do this kind of thing. Um. No, it's pretty normal stuff. I mean, we 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 have, you know, there, there's a number of engineers working on open source, uh, who you know, fixing issues, fixing bugs, uh, creating new features, you know, uh, performance optimizations, um, uh, pretty much as you'd expect there. And then you know, we have we have people working on uh, our cloud platform. Um, that's 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 a lot of work. I mean, that's the main yep. reason probably need investment is is you know, it's pretty specialized skill set. You need pretty sophisticated uh, engineers in order to build a robust platform for for, yeah. for doing stuff. Uh, and yeah, and then the other kind of like major investment is just sort of integrations, because you know the the main value prop for Gatsby is like, hey, you know, like you know, React, great way to build a site, uh, static, super super fast, easy hosting, you know, scale secure. Um, and then, and then the third, kind of the third part is like integrations. It's like you, you know, Gatsby plus WordPress, Gatsby plus Shopify, Gatsby plus Contentful, Gatsby plus yep. you know Sanity. It's like you, 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 you know, if you're building sites, it's like you want to just have a a well designed, you know, well built, debugged, fast connection to the different pieces that you're plugging together. And, and Gatsby gives you that out of the box. You don't have to build it yourself. You just like install a plugin and bam, it's working. And then you know you do the design, implement it. You know, add some content, ship it, on off it goes. Yep. Um, and so yeah, so we invest really heavily in in continually improving those those integrations uh, for people uh, to gotcha. use. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. It's like uh, yeah, and then we have all the no other normal stuff. You know, we have like HR and um, yep. engineering managers, product managers. Uh, you know, just just kind of whole make the whole thing go. Makes sense. I assume you. I mean, you must have the long view in mind. I, I would certainly hope so. Um, what do you? What's your prediction if you had one? I don't know. Even know if you if it's kosher to say though. What's what do you think in terms of like uh, years out from Gatsby, uh -huh. going public or or selling or having having yeah. some kind of event like that? Do you do you? Well, I guess here's the first question. Do you think about that um, much? And uh, if so, do you do you put any kind of hopes on the the time frame for it? I. I mean, you can, but uh, I don't know. I, it's very dangerous because it's like, it doesn't, like thinking about the future doesn't actually solve the problems of today much. Mm. So you want to have like a, I mean, you want to know where you're going. You know, you're like, why are we doing this? Where are we going? You, you want that yep. to be clear and simple. And like, everyone's like, yeah, like we know where we're going and why we're doing this. But the only way to get there is, you know, like take step by step. And so- yep. Being too distracted from the day to day uh, is really dangerous because um, a like the work that needs done today is not getting done. And and what what else you learn at a startup is is if you you know 
I mean, I, I guess I didn't have to unlearn this, but if people, people who come from like larger companies, they kind of have this like weird magical thinking about stuff. They're like, I don't know, things just happen. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, like stuff gets cleaned and, you know, like product plans get written up and like, you don't know the people doing things like you had no part of it and they just sort of happen and you do your bit. And, and it's like a weird, you're just like part of this like weird large organization. But at a startup, if you, if you, if you don't do something like, nothing happens like right. it's just like literally nothing happens and like a week go by and like nothing at all would happen unless you do it yeah so so anyway so so you don't want to get distracted too much by like what could be when when you need to do something today um also the danger too is that uh a big danger too is like believing your own hype uh mm. you know because like if you, if, if you if you're not like grounded in sort of the root reality of like what is things today um uh, you know, you, you, you can start. Yeah. It, it's like, you, you can lose track of what actually needs done today. Um, and, uh, that's a pretty easy thing to slip into because, you know, cause like sometimes, sometimes as a startup founder, you are spending a lot of time talking about the future and thinking about the future, you know, like investing is like sort of a, a, a prime time for that. Cause you're just like, you know, <laughs> uh, like uh, at some point I told a friend, like, only the only thing you need to do to like raise money is like sort of like turn the switch in your head to be a a, a grandiose megalomaniac or something like that because <laughs> you know you just have to like you have to like come in and be very confident and say we are going to be this huge company that's going to change yeah. the world and like you have to say it with you know 100% confidence and uh, uh, just like the kind of no hesitation and sure. and it's like sort of a game because like investors don't I mean they don't they don't think you're hundred percent. I mean, they know you're not hundred percent confident, but it's just sort of this like funny thing, but, but you do have to like, believe it enough to even try mm -hmm. is, is I guess. And they, and they have to, and they, you know, they have to believe it enough to even try. And you can all be like, well, we actually think it's like 5% likely or something, but that's fine. Yeah. Cause like not all investments have to work out and whatever on we go. But, um, but yeah, like you, you have to be able to like switch off that and you have to like ignore because like sometimes also you have like very lauding fans will be like oh my gosh this is going to change everything and you know you're like wow like they think we're awesome you know whatever um but yeah you have to be able to switch between you know that and like well what actually is happening now and like what do we need to do today and mm -hmm. tomorrow and this week and this month to to move the fling forward because you know a journey only happens step by step mm -hmm. um and so it's like be able to like switch gears like that is is critical. Yeah, well put. I I, I like it. Um, great. Well, it, I think it's just about time to start wrapping up. We're we're almost at time. Um, one thing that I was wondering about before we go, though, I think you're you're an SF still, are you? Uh huh. Uh, Berkeley, to be precise. Berkeley. Berkeley area. Yeah. yeah. Any plans with uh, everything that's going on uh, in in the world now and people migrating out? Any plans to um, to move elsewhere? Another hot startup scene, maybe. Um. I don't know. Uh, yeah, my wife and I talk about it sometimes. Uh, but uh, it's Bay Area is a really pleasant place to live. So we we haven't. Um, yeah, yeah, we we haven't really gotten too motivated to do anything. And also, like we just had a baby last year, and and having a baby really makes you want to just like not do anything. <laughs> it's like yeah. the idea of moving right now sounds utterly exhausting. Oh, um, <laughs> so we're like. We have a we have a little house and it's all set up and you know I walk to I walk to you know a little office where I work at and all all those things 
really make me not, you know, want to change anything. It's sort of, it's sort of the idea of, uh, uh, it, it also is like a startup. It's like, it's like, it's sort of like, you want to keep the rest of your life boring when you're doing a startup so that you can be like very unboring in the startup and sort of like kind of conserving your, conserving your, your, your energies for the startup is also helpful. So, um, but, uh, yeah, it definitely, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I grew up in the Northwest, so that's like in Oregon. So I really love there. Um, you know, we have family, uh, in Utah. So I don't know. There, there, there's, there's, there's interesting options, but all right now. Awesome. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time today to, to chat yeah. through this stuff. That's uh, certainly been educational for me. And, uh, you know, I, I yeah. think the listeners will, will get a lot of value out of this too. So yeah, thank you so much for, for taking some time out of your busy schedule. And I know being a new dad, of course, uh, presents a whole other set of, uh, reasons to be busy. So thanks again. And, uh, where mm -hmm. can people find you online? Uh, Twitter is probably the easiest place, uh, twitter.com slash Kyle Matthews. And beyond that, I mean, I have a blog, which I haven't updated in a while, <laughs> as usual, uh, seems these days. But, um, but yeah, Twitter's great. Awesome. Well, we will link all of that up in the show notes. And yeah, Kyle, thank you once again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. This has been episode 40 with Kyle Matthews. You can find links to all the resources that Kyle mentioned over at ecpodcast.io. And there you can also subscribe. Head over to ecpodcast.io slash subscribe. And if you would like to leave a rating and review, that would be awesome. Check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash coderpodcast.